Welcome to the sermon podcast of South Hills Church in Costa Mesa. My name is Chris Kretzu, and I'm the campus pastor here. Thank you for carving out the time to listen to this today. I hope that you will be encouraged and challenged, and ultimately that you'll have a deeper sense of God's love for you. I'll be back after the message is over, but until then, I hope that you enjoy this episode. We're going to look at the first Easter story. We're going to be in John chapter 20. Uh, There's some hesitant and missing gentlemen uh, in the story here. Um, But uh, John chapter 20, uh, starting in verse 1, there's a few different accounts of the the Easter story, the resurrection story. And this is one of my favorite ones because it's it's really layered. Uh, And so I'm going to read through this. If you guys have your Bibles or a Bible app... We'll also have verses on the screen. I know for our online uh, friends, we've got verses there in the chat as well. But, but John chapter 20 says this. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon, Peter, and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Now, I just want to give you guys a, a little bit of information. If you guys don't know this already, this is the gospel of John. What that means is that this is John's eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. John wrote this story, and, and John talks about himself a lot in the story. And you will notice it says, the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, that's John talking about himself. Uh, just a very humble person. Just always like, the other disciple... Jesus's favorite uh, is also there involved, and it doesn't stop there. John is, uh, he's, he's kind of hilarious here. In verse three, it says, so Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Wink, wink, like chill out, John. Uh, we get it. Uh, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus's head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, just a reminder, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. It goes on in verse 11, and we're back to Mary. It says, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus's body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. There's a sense for Mary where she doesn't understand. The disciples didn't remember that Jesus was going to be raised from the dead, that on the third day he would rise. And so there's this confusion. So so Mary says, they've taken my Lord away and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Which is kind of like the first century equivalent of saying, If you tell me what you did, I won't press charges. Uh, There's this confusion. I mean, it's Jesus, and at the same time, she mistakes, mistakes Jesus for the gardener. 
And then Jesus in verse 16, it says, Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Rabbani is this word, it's similar to rabbi, which is what Jesus was, but it's a much more personal and kind of an intimate term. It's a sense of saying, my teacher or one that I trust. There's this moment where when Jesus says her name, she recognizes who it is in that moment. It's this really powerful version, this, this telling of what this first Easter was like. And now I, I think it's fascinating in this story because, you know, everybody's running to get there and, and they think the tomb is empty, but they don't think it's empty because of the resurrection. They think that the body has been taken. So they all get there and, and they're figuring it out. And, and the, the disciples go back to the house and Mary stays there and she sees Jesus she talks with Jesus, but she doesn't recognize who Jesus is. And she, it says that she mistakes him for a gardener, which is so funny to me. And I, and I don't know if Mary's friends are as brutal as my friends, but if I did that, nobody would ever let me live that down. It would be like a decade later and they would still be like, hey, remember that time that you thought Jesus was the gardener? Like tell everybody else that story again, over and over, over and over and over again. There's this, this kind of craziness that starts to happen here where, where Mary thinks that it's the gardener. And I think it's interesting because I don't know how much uh, art or paintings you have seen of the Easter story or pictures, uh, representations of the Easter story of the resurrection, uh, of what Jesus looked like in that moment. But they are always these radiant, beautiful, glowing pictures of Jesus. Uh, I, I pulled one off of the internet. It's on the screens. I don't know if you guys, how well you can see it uh, from the back row. Uh, I know you guys have it as well online. Uh, it's this like beautiful, flowing gown, uh, perfectly uh, combed hair. It's kind of confusing because there, there's, is it that he was in the tomb for three days or was he at like a resort getting a Brazilian blowout, like a, a three-day spa trip? I mean, this is kind of what we believe Jesus looked like when he was resurrected based off of our, all of the artistic representations. But in, in Mary's story, she thinks that he's a gardener. Now I kill almost every plant that I touch, but I've been in gardens before and nobody looks this pristine in a garden. Nobody looks this clean or holy or glowing in a garden. Mary looks at this man that she thinks is a gardener, but it's the resurrected Jesus. And there's this question that we have to wrestle with, this question of, well, who got it right? Is it Mary who was looking at Jesus and didn't quite recognize him? Or was it the artists that have painted pictures of what they think that this looked like? It's, a, it's an interesting question as I've thought through it over the last few weeks. The reality is, is that Jesus isn't the only person that gets dressed up on Easter. We all get dressed up on Easter. How many show of hands? How many of you guys are wearing something new today? How many of you guys got a haircut over the last week trying to get ready for Easter? It's not just people. It, it's churches. Churches generally, they get choirs and uh, string quartets and they put out flout. We rolled out the nicest part of our parking lot for you guys today to be a part of this Easter celebration. There's something about Easter where everybody wants to look their best and put on their best and, and show up as, as close to perfection as possible. But the actual gospel story, the Easter story, it's, it's not actually as fancy and put together as we think. It's, it's pretty messy. 
in reality. It's less about fancy clothes and flowers and flowing robes and pastels. It's more about kind of flesh and dirt and confusion. It's an ongoing story about the way that God never seems to do things quite the way that we expect God will do things. God never quite shows up exactly the way that we think that God will show up. There's always this this just slight difference of what we expect and what happens. Mary stands at an open tomb on Easter morning, but she doesn't see a glowing Messiah. She sees a man who looks like he had been working in a garden. Maybe it's the, the scuffs and the, and the scrapes and, and the, the scratches and bruises from carrying the cross. Maybe it's the dirt under his fingernails from what the tomb was like or the days before. I, I don't know for sure, but it didn't look like a glowing, perfect person, angel, without wings. It, it looked like a gardener. It's this Instagram versus reality thing. Even after the first service, we've got a photo booth in the back and the Easter bunnies out there. And it's funny because every family's taking pictures and you guys have been through this. There's 25 pictures and 24 of them. Nobody's looking at the camera and somebody's crying and frustrated. And then there's one picture. It's like, oh, this is the one. And so you post that one on the internet. This is what our family looks like all the time. Uh, it's this Instagram versus reality. This, this is the reality of this misunderstanding, this misrepresentation of what the resurrection looked like, of, of who God is, this, this idea that we kind of, we imagine it looking a certain way. We tell people it feels a certain way. But then the reality is, is that sometimes it's really different. Sometimes it's messier. Sometimes it's confusing and difficult, over the years, I think we've cleaned Jesus up a little bit. We've, we've photoshopped Jesus a bit. I think it's because that's what we hope we get. I think we hope that somehow when I say yes to Jesus, when I say, okay, I'm going to be a Christian, there is this, this magic thing that happens where all of our mistakes and our struggles and our habits and our, our issues are just gone, where our skin glows perfectly, where we have the flowing hair like Jesus had the flowing hair. There's this, there's this hope that somehow if I'm a Christian, if I put my trust in Jesus, that everything will start to work out the way that I want it to work out. It's an interesting challenge for us because the byproduct of it is that we end up with a twisted view of what resurrection looks like, a twisted view of what faith looks like, and maybe even a twisted view of what God looks like because we assume it's this, this beautifully manicured resort Jesus instead of someone that looks like a gardener, that looks like he's been working and digging and involved for years, God allowed us to try our best to live well and to follow him. And I think ultimately God grew tired of being kind of on the receiving end of what we assumed God was like. We, we projected our own ideas and, and concepts of who God was, of who we thought God would be, angry or defensive or wrathful or vengeful, um, all the things that I would be if I was God. Uh, angry and powerful and, and just forcing everyone to do exactly what I wanted them to do. But a few thousand years ago, scripture says it this way, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, God's desire to be fully and truly known came to fruition and it overflowed, his love for us overflowed into the womb of a teenage girl 
in the birth of Jesus. The son of God, the Messiah, it wasn't, he wasn't born in a palace or even in a inn or in a bed. He was born in a stable. I know this is the Christmas story. I'm not confused. But I think it's so important that we remember that Jesus came into the world in straw and dirt in a stable in this less than ideal situation for a deity. And Jesus's resurrection was very similar, being mistaken for a gardener. Jesus goes on, he becomes the friend of sinners. He challenges the powerful, he pushes away position and and did all that he could to serve and heal and care for and share a table. And so the invisible God makes himself visible in Jesus. Paul wrote it this way in Colossians 1. He says that the son is the image of the invisible God. So many people are like, I wonder what God is really like. Well, God looks like Jesus. In Hebrews 1, it says the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So if you've ever asked the question, well, you know, I know what Jesus is like, but is God really that loving or is God the angry one and Jesus is the loving one? Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. If there's any sort of doubt or question or confusion of of who God is or what God looks like or how he feels about you or, or the way that God would act towards others, Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. The best way to know who God is is by looking at how he is revealed in Jesus. And if that's true, then we're dealing with a God who is born into poverty. We're dealing with a God who is not great at choosing friends. Uh, He chose a couple friends that betrayed him. Uh, He mixed circles a lot with religious people and non-religious people. And and he he, he, uh, spent time with outcasts and, and weirdos and outsiders and a God who wouldn't even condemn the people that crucified him, a God who wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty, a God who rises to new life that defeats death, defeats the power of sin, and in the ultimate moment of the gospel story, the the pinnacle of the story, this powerful, resurrected God is mistaken for a gardener. Not a perfectly manicured deity, but a present and a willing God. So we can try to clean up Jesus and put him in his Easter best so he looks nice, but I think it's, it's crucial that on Easter, what I want you to know and what I want to remind myself of because I continue to, to, to slip or to drift into thinking about this the wrong way is that God is not interested in or satisfied with making you and I look nice. God wants to to get his hands dirty in our lives. He wants us to, to be transformed, to be made whole, to cultivate beauty and goodness inside of us, to make us new. God wants to make you and I new, and new doesn't always look perfect. I know it's some confusion because there's like new car smell, which is nice. New clothes, which are nice, except I, I got these jeans new for today. Uh, and you know when you get new jeans and you don't wash them and then your hands get really blue from the pockets? So you guys just, I think it's called like a, a French, French tips. Is that what it's called? 
God is not interested in making us look nice. He's interested in making us new and new is not always perfect. And I know this because there was a moment when I had a brand new son. When my son was born, my first son, you know, as a, as a dad, and I'm a very emotional and sensitive dad, and I've been dreaming about this moment for years. I've wanted to have a family since I was like 11 years old. Uh, and there's all of these ideas of what you're going to say and what you're going to do and how supportive and encouraging you're going to be to your wife. And I was all of those things, right? No? Uh, I remember the moment where the doctor handed our son, who was healthy, he handed her to my wife, and um, if you guys have been in that situation, you know that new is a little bit sticky. Uh, it's not always exactly what you imagine, and the first thing that I said, which my wife will never let me forget, is, is his head going to stay that shape? Uh, <laughs> it was not my finest moment. The good news is that it didn't. Uh, but new is not always perfect. It's, it's messy and it's difficult and it's challenging, but it's also beautiful and good and it's what we long for and that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be new, not perfect. He wants us to be transformed, not immaculate. He wants us to experience growth and wholeness, not some photoshopped, uh, beautiful, like, bathrobe-wearing version of a Jesus follower. New doesn't always look perfect. The Easter story itself is messy. New still has dirt under its nails. New looks like a gardener who's been working. New looks like recovering addicts. New looks like reconciliation between family members. It looks like friends having difficult conversations. New looks like being honest about our pain and our grief. It, it looks like not hiding our doubts or our fears. New looks like the strength to try one more time. New looks like learning to navigate life after a tragedy or a loss. New looks like allowing yourself to be hopeful even after 12 months of frustration and pain and disappointment. New looks like God reaching down into the dirt of life and pulling us up out of the graves that we dig for ourselves the situations we get ourselves into, the, the spaces where we say, you know what, it's never going to change. It's never going to be fixed. It's never going to be better. I'm just laying this to rest. New looks like God whispering to you that resurrection is possible. Christ is risen from the dead. He defeated death and sin. And he looks like the gardener because he has done the work and he wants to do the same work in you and in I. And that's why in the scriptures later on, Paul says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that was able to overcome all of this grave is alive and working in us. This is, this is the Easter story. And you all look very nice. I thank you. I appreciate you saying the same about me. But it's not about looking nice. It's about recognizing that God is trying to cultivate transformation and newness and wholeness inside of us. So regardless of what or who you look like today, Easter is for you. The resurrection is for you. It may not look the way you've always believed that it would look. 
It may not feel the way that you always thought that it would feel. It, it may not be like the moment you say yes to Jesus, all of your problems go away. There's this ongoing work that continues to happen, but it does not mean that transformation and newness and life is not taking root inside of your hearts. So I think that there's maybe two possible responses for us to this resurrection story. I think the first one may be that some of us that have grown up in churches, some of us that when I say he is risen and you know that you're supposed to say he is risen indeed because you've spent a couple decades in and around church, I think some of us may need to be reminded that we don't serve resort Jesus, we serve a God who is like a gardener with dirt under his nails, who is working and cultivating. And we need to remember that it's not about the perfection that we, we look like or the goodness that we feel like we can carry around. It's about the work that's being done in our hearts and the way that we continue to lean into that and share that with other people. Some of us that have been following Jesus, that are already Christians, we need to be reminded that there is a gardener that we are called to follow. And the second response is that maybe for some of, some of us, we need to take a step and say yes to this Jesus. Maybe you never bought the whole, like I'm a brand new person and everything is figured out and perfect and I've got no more challenges or issues. Maybe that always seemed a bit of a stretch for you. And I wanna make sure that you have an opportunity that you get to say yes to following a God who is willing to get his hands dirty, a God who's willing and desires to love you exactly as you are and to, to see change happen like a garden that's being cultivated and it takes time and work and attention for life to spring up. This is, this is the Easter story. I'd love for you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes. I wanna pray for us this morning. Well, regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey, I believe that everyone has a next step that they can take. If you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, information about getting baptized, or maybe even attending a Discover class to grow more in your faith, you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash Costa Mesa, and then scroll down to the next steps section. If you'd like more information about tithing or supporting South Hills financially, you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving. Thanks again for listening today, and I hope that I get to see you soon.